Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining this week. I'm David Widmar, co-founder of Ag Economic Insights, joining you this week to break down some of the things that myself, Brent, and the entire AEI team have been thinking about and writing about. And today is July the 15th, so we are halfway through July and want to spend just a couple of minutes reviewing the latest WASI report, help you get up to speed on that, but also talk a little bit about a few articles we wrote this week. So to kick this off, I want to just pull up a couple slides here that I've been thinking about and, and mulling over my head. The July WASDE didn't necessarily in and of itself provide any direct new estimates. The USDA made some recalibrations, but largely we're incorporating the data dumps that we had at the end of June, specifically the June acreage report and also the report that came out around the ending stocks, the quarterly ending stocks report. So for corn, we have a situation where stocks have been building. And so when we look through this, we had 400,000 additional acres of corn planted than we initially thought, not a big change, but still going in that direction. We're still using 177 bushel yield. That's four bushels below trend normal. So you can imagine a scenario where this balance sheet would be if we added four, you know, four additional bushels, almost 400 million additional bushels. But as we work our way down through here, we're sitting here at roughly speaking, a 14 and a half billion bushel crop and about 16 billion bushels of total usage. Now the USDA in July, it didn't change usage. Usage is about you know 15.57. And we've wrote a previous article about this, how the usage is at one side of the coin or on one slice of the data, is not that much change from that record that we saw back in 21, 22, 14.9, but it's still a long ways from the trend line, about a billion bushels off that trend line number. So what happens when we put all this through? We have a corn stock situation for this marketing year, 1.47 billion bushels of ending stocks. That gives us a stock to use ratio of about 10.1. We are at 10.2 for the last marketing year, the marketing year that's closing up. And we've also seen the current marketing year growing season, current crop in the ground, we've seen this creep higher from 9.3 to 10.1. 13.1 is the long run average. So we're still below the average, it's still a tight situation. So that's still going to give commodity markets a lot of reason to be on the cautious side. When we look at where commodity prices have been, just want to recap how much change we've seen. A lot of ways commodity markets peaked maybe here in uh, Pete, at least at this point through the early or mid parts of June, as you can see, corn briefly got above 750, but spent a lot of time above $7 a bushel. We were most recently crossed the 740 threshold, but you know we got down to 570 here in early July. It got really close from that 550 corn question for the Ag Forecast Network, sitting somewhere around $6 a bushel today. Now let's switch gears, talk a little bit about soybeans. Soybeans have had the other side of the story. We've seen soybean stocks start to tighten a little bit. So the big number here is acreage, about 2.7 million fewer acres planned than initially projected. Yields are unchanged at the trend normal, 51.5. Beginning stocks increased ever so slightly. So in total, we had supplies still tighten. And so when you work this through, the USDA also tightened usage. And so they pulled out 10 million bushels of crushings and they pulled out about 65 million bushels of 
exports. So collectively, they pulled out 75 million bushels of total usage. That's on 4.5 billion. So it's a small number, but it is shrinking the usage pie. That gets us to an ending stock situation of 230 million bushels. We had 280 million bushels at the end of June, but we have a 5.1 stock to use ratio where we had started the marketing year estimates back in May at 6.1%, long run averages at 8.2%. So to wrap for this part of the conversation up, we have seen a situation where corn stocks have been trending a little bit higher since May, and we've seen soybean stocks trend a little bit lower since May. Two things I want to share. One is if you are going to wait, you know, are there production issues specific to ag that's impacting the markets, or are there global issues, things outside of agriculture, the macroeconomy, global uncertainty, supply chains, global recessions, war in Ukraine, sanctions. It's definitely been on the side of the balance beam that is factors outside of ag. And that's frustrating because even our best efforts to forecast or plan or anticipate or select data, seek out data around acreage estimates or yield, just general production and usage can leave us backpedaling hard because there are these other factors that are driving line share of the market. Second idea I want to share here is there's still a wide range of possible outcomes. The growing season is still very active. When we get into June and September, those October, November as well, those WASI estimates will have more focus on the yields because USDA will be actively forecasting those. And so that uncertainty globally is unlikely to resolve itself anytime soon. And the uncertainty around you know, the growing season will continue. So use this as an opportunity to reflect if you're a grower, kind of how your marketing plan has came together so far this year. What are some of the changes you might want to make? If you're uh, sitting across a table from growers, encourage them to reflect, you know, where have I been? What are current prices like? You know, maybe I wish I would have sold more corn six weeks ago, but maybe this price is still a good price for me. Maybe I still should be marking some of these bushels to take care of some of that downside risk. Or maybe you're a livestock producer and you're buying grain. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to price grain or buy grain at a favorable point. Shifting gears just a little bit, a couple articles I want to mention to you all. First, you know, always encourage you to read those, update your expectations, the forecast network questions. One thing that really stood out to me as we were pulling together some articles this week is how there's a narrative brewing out there. There's a headline brewing out there that farm level interest rates are very possibly going to go from career lows to decade highs in a 12-month window. And 2022 is probably going to be that window. And we have a situation where the Federal Reserve sort of turned the valve off at the end of December for the stimulus. And they've spent, since March, they have spent their time trying to implement quantitative tightening. So they've been raising interest rates and tightening the balance sheet. We've wrote about those. But if you look at the long run trends of interest rates, there's a lot of different interest rates, a lot of different ways to measure what the exact bottom is. But in a lot of ways, we have seen career low interest rates. So the first thing I want to talk about is just how low interest rates have been since 2000. We have had you know, career low interest rates for a long time. But as you look through the data, you can clearly see where there was a step lower. Interest rates on the backside of the pandemic, on the part of that stimulus, not only came down, they were creeping up before the pandemic, not only did they come down, but they stepped even lower than anything we had seen 
historically speaking. So, you know, if you're watching this on the video, you're reading the transcript, I encourage you to look at the article, but you can clearly see that historically average effective interest rates on non-real estate farm loans, you know, when they were low in the past, back in that 2013 to 2015 window, they were hanging out in the upper 3%. They had dropped below, I want to say drooped, but they had slipped below that 4% threshold. Ahead of the pandemic, they got as high as 5.5%. And then when the pandemic happened, when we got that quantitative easing coming out of that, we saw interest rates really stay very close to that 3% threshold. So they've, you know, no longer were sort of held or suspended around 4%. They sort of fell to another rung on the ladder. And that rung was uh, right above 3%. You can see the similar situation for farm machinery, although farm machinery hasn't technically hit an absolute low. It briefly fell lower back in 2012. But, you know, operating lines of credit, we saw this as well. We sort of saw this new plateau, I guess, new valley of uh, new lows, new threshold of considerations. Similar story for farmland interest rates as well. Those interest rates previously had sort of stopped around five and a quarter percent. And then with the pandemic easing, they slipped, you know, close to that four, four and a half percent. Looking ahead, we wanted to put together some charts to help you think about what might be coming. And so when you look at what's happened in say the three-year treasuries or the 10-year treasuries, we have seen a big upturn in those data in the last quarter, in the last several months. Now we don't have farm interest rate data that's a, that available yet. So we only have Q1 farm interest rate data. So if you start to look at these historic relationships and you think about where we're at, we can see some of these you know, real estate loans, for example, they might be going from four and a half percent or 4.6 percent was what we saw throughout most of 2021. We might see those get closer to six or six and a half percent, given the movements we've seen in the 10-year treasuries or in, in the three-year treasuries for non-real estate uh, loans, those shorter-term loans. So in general, wanted to help you think a little bit about that and how that might play out. Of course, the Fed is thinking a lot of speculation about where the Fed will go next. A week ago, they were saying the Fed's going to drop rates. or speculating that. And now they're thinking, well, the Fed might come out and raise 100 basis points. But keep in mind, these debt markets are constantly adjusting, and they've been moving for quite a while now. The other article that Brent and I worked a lot on is two stories around thinking about the macro economy. And one is a story about trains and how individuals are behaving. And one is about planes and the idea of a soft landing and how the the macro economy is working. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I encourage you to read the article yourself, share it. There's a PDF version that's really easy to share, but I'm going to read one quote that helped pull my thinking together. This quote came from a book written by John Kenneth Galbraith, who wrote about the great crash of 1929. In this book, he said, I guess I'll, let me set this up for you. In the book, they asked him, you know, will there be another crash like the night we saw in 1929, this speculative crash, everything was going along so great. And then all of a sudden it just completely fell apart. And his response was, quote, no one can doubt that the American people remain susceptible to the speculative mood, to the conviction that enterprise can be attended by unlimited rewards in which they individually were meant to share. A rising market can still bring the reality of riches. This in turn can draw more and more people to participate. And the government preventatives and controls are ready. In the hands of a determined government, their efficacy cannot be doubted. They are, however, a hundred reasons why the government will determine not to use them. So 
that quote helped me to think about this and that there are individuals out there who are making decisions. And then there are policymakers who are out there making decisions. And one of the challenges that we have going on is there are things that I should be doing individually. There are things that other people are doing collectively. And I'm a part of that. But then there's also sort of the decisions that policymakers, the government, either the Federal Reserve or Congress is doing as well. Sometimes those can align in a way that can be quite dangerous. And so thinking about the trains, the idea is, you know, if I know the train is going to crash, it's going to derail, why didn't I jump off the train? Why might I continue to ride that train for a ways? And the other idea is, we've been thinking about this idea of a soft landing for the economy. You know, if the Fed pulls back too hard, they could stall the economy and crash, or they don't do enough. They could run off the end of the runway and the ills of inflation could run rampant. But that's maybe an oversimplification. There's also this idea of a go-around. The Fed could continue to sort of hold us in this pattern of trying to make sure they can achieve this quote-unquote soft landing. So encourage you to think about that. Encourage you to, you know, as we think about the broader economy, keep in mind that there are a lot of uh, different players involved. Some of them are individuals, some of them are government actors, and getting these all lined up can be very difficult and challenging. Lastly, I want to mention, we have an exciting, a lot of exciting things coming on. The first one is the AEI premium websites getting a facelift, getting a makeover, getting a, a refresh. And so you'll be seeing that in the coming the next time you log on, you'll likely be seeing that. Uh, still the same content, still the same great tool, just in a better way to help you navigate it more easily. The favorite feature that I have that's actually new is a search box. I love using a search box, and that's going to be available uh, as always, so you can take a look at that. We're also going to be streamlining the newsletter. The newsletter will be shifting to a different date. It'll be shifting to Monday morning. It'll still be the same great content. It'll just be delivered at a slightly different time. We think it's a time that matches. It's never going to make everyone happy. We think it's a time that fits really well with our production schedule on our end, but also the reading patterns. So uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback on that. And so there's never a perfect time to send a newsletter, but we think Monday will be a little more consistent with everyone else's expectations outside of the team, but also in our process as well. So thank you for all your support. Thank you for all your input and your questions. Looking forward to getting your feedback and ideas on ways to improve the website, but also for the content as well. Hoping this week's video talking about the stock situation. I think we could see this grain markets going to really shift and focus on yield in the next coming weeks. We'll see how that resolves itself. But then also thinking about this macro economy around interest rates and recession and individuals making decisions. That's all I have for you this week. In the meantime, stay curious. Oh, 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 oh,